turn in your Bible to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be going through many, many scriptures today, so you don't need to try to turn to them. I'll just get, tell you where they are, tell you the chapter and the verse. You can go back and look them up and study them, because there are many, many scriptures uh, related to the message that I have today. Now, while you're turning, uh, I know you listen, but give me your undivided attention. You've got to understand that as your pastor, the Bible says that I watch for your souls. Now, you are personally responsible for your walk with God. You are. But as the spiritual under-shepherd of this church, it talks in the Bible how that I watch for your souls. And if I fail to declare to you the whole counsel of God, that I will be responsible to God. There's an awesome responsibility because every Sunday I have the privilege of preaching the Word of God to you. But I must hear from God. I must have a message from God so that you can be the person that God and Jesus redeemed you to be. I take seriously the responsibility that God has given me. And you need to take seriously your walk with God and your relationship to Christ and your relationship in this church. The next two messages I'm going to preach today and next Sunday, I believe are the key, the heart of you living an abundant life. I mean a life not without trials, not without troubles, not without difficulties, but a life in the midst of trials and troubles and difficulties that you have victory, that you live an abundant life in the midst of the storm. You know, the Bible says that the key to us living, quote, an abundant life is that we live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and be led by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is a life where the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, and it is by the Holy Spirit's power that we live the Christian life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So we understand that we do not live the Christian life in our own power. We do not live the Christian life in our own strength. People say, Pastor, is the Christian life difficult? Yes, it is impossible. You cannot live the Christian life apart from being controlled and filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's so clear. Romans 8, uh, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. Galatians five sixteen says, Walk in the Spirit. You'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness. And Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Listen, you're not going to live an abundant life unless you are filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are two warnings in the Bible that are very important. The first one is, quench not the Spirit. You see, since our life depends on us walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, now, quench not the Spirit. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit, what he's doing in your life. But then there's another one. And that's where you find in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you to look there and, and look down. Um, 
in Ephesians 4 at um, verse 29. If we're going to live an abundant life, we can't quench the Holy Spirit. We just can't do it. He has to have free reign in our life. And now we come to Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. He's talking about our speech. He's talking about our mouth. He's talking about our tongue. Let no corrupt communication, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good to necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. He said, now don't you speak anything that is not going to edify and build up, and don't you speak anything that is not going to give favor or grace to those that hear it. And then he says it. Look at the next verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby you were sealed. God gave you the Holy Spirit as his seal to the day he takes you to heaven. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. I want you to listen. I believe that the biggest battle that we have, the battle that keeps most of us from walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is the battle that we have with our words. Notice what it says here. It says, and let no corrupt, corrupt word come out of your mouth. And then he goes right on having talk about where to speak that which edifies and ministers grace. And then he comes right along behind and says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. So what I'm going to do today and then next Sunday is this. This morning I'm going to speak on the misuse of the tongue. Then next Sunday I'm going to speak on the mastery of the tongue. Can I give you a personal testimony? The biggest battle... I fight is the misuse of the tongue. Man, I've been following Jesus seriously for 54, 55 years. I won't tell you something. The biggest battle I have every day is with the words that come out of my mouth. I keep thinking, man, I'm beyond that, but I want you to understand it is a tremendous battle. So we've got to understand that if we do, if we misuse the tongue, we will grieve the Holy Spirit, we will quench the Holy Spirit, and we will not live in spiritual power. But then there's good news. And that next Sunday we'll talk about the mastery of the tongue. Now, the Bible speaks about how, how important how important our words are. I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Now, I just spoke the words out of Ephesians. It says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which edifies and ministers grace to those that hear it. So it says, now, be careful what you say. But then now we go over to Matthew chapter 12, and I want you to notice the very sobering, I mean, you talk about sobering words of Jesus in Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Now listen to what Jesus said. Folks, this is sobering to me. There's such a battle with words, such a battle with our tongue. I'm telling you it is such a battle. And it says here in verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. 
Then Jesus gets very strong and he says, brood of vipers. Well, well, that's pretty strong. He says, he's talking to the Pharisees. He said, uh, brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, underline it, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, where do those words come from? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But Jesus sobers us. He says, but I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. You know, pastor, I had no idea that what came out of my mouth was so important. That it was so important to God. And so it had such a tremendous effect on my spiritual life. Listen, I want to tell you right now. I, I mean, I believe every one of us in this room would go from here to here in our spiritual walk with God. If we can just let Jesus give us victory over the words that come out of my mouth. It is a battle. Now, the Bible speaks very clearly about the seriousness of our words. It's no question about it. For example... In the book of James, uh, verse 21 and 26, verse 21, chapter 1, verse 26. Now listen. The Bible speaks of the seriousness of our words. Now, can you want to know how your faith is genuine? <laughs> you want to know how you don't have a false faith? You want to know how you have a genuine faith in Jesus? Well, you know, James tells us. Listen to James chapter 1. Verse 26. Now, folks, this is strong, but it'll help us because we all want to have victory in the area of our words. Now, listen to James 1.26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart and his religion is in vain. Time out, Lord. That is strong. God, I'm telling you, you're saying here, that if a person thinks he's religious but doesn't bridle his tongue, he's deceiving his heart and his religion is in vain. Let, let, let me just tell you what else the Bible says about our words. You know what Proverbs eighteen twenty six says? This is going to sober. It sobers me. Proverbs eighteen twenty six says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whoa. Death? Your, your tongue can speak death? Or your tongue can speak life. It, it, it is so serious. Hey, you say, well, I, I, okay, so if, if a man doesn't bridle his tongue, it brings into question how genuine his faith is. And I know that my tongue can speak death or can speak life. Let me tell you something. How can you know a person is a mature Christian? How can you know they've gone from being a, a, an infant? How can you know that a person has become a mature Christian. Did you know James answers that question? Look, at, listen to James chapter 3, verse 2. Now listen to what he says. This is the sign of spiritual maturity. And this is what discourages me so in my own walk with God. This is the sign of spiritual maturity. For we all stumble in many things. He said nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand. We all stumble in many things. But if any was, does, anyone does not stumble in his word, he's a mature man. Being able to bridle his own body. 
James said, none of us are perfect. But I'll tell you a sign of spiritual maturity. When a person does not stumble in their words, they are a mature child of God. You know, in James chapter 3, won't you turn over there in your Bible? In James chapter 3, he goes on and just tells us. See, I'm talking about the importance of our words. How important they are. And why am I talking about this? We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. Because if we grieve the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit, we're not going to have any spiritual power. The Holy Spirit's not going to be able to lead us. And we're going to flounder in our walk with God. It's all about an ungrieved and unquenched Holy Spirit. And our words will grieve and quench the Spirit if they're not godly. James chapter 3 He says in verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. Now think about that. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Time out. What? It's a fire? The tongue? It's a world of iniquity? It defiles my whole body? It sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Man. And then he goes on down and says in verse 8, No man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is full of unruly evil. Oh, my goodness. And deadly poison. My Lord. No man can tame the tongue. It is full of... it, It is full... Of unruly evil and of deadly poison. With it we bless God our Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Brethren, these things ought not to be. Now listen to me. I'm telling you, my battle, my battle is with words. Because it's so easy to speak. It's so easy to respond. And so what God has to do is keep our hearts in a place where uh, out of our heart, the abundance of our mouth speaks and it gives glory and honor to God. And we say those things that build up and produce life. Now, there are nine things in the Bible, what I would call uh, the nine sins of the tongue. There are nine of them. And the reason I've got them is every one of them has a strong scripture. So now why am I saying so you can correct it, so I can correct it. It's all about the matter that I don't want the Holy Spirit to be grieved in my life. And I don't want the Holy Spirit to be grieved in your life. And I don't want the Holy Spirit to be grieved in our church. So if we're going to walk with God and we're going to live in the power of the Spirit and overcome and see the glory of God, then we've got to have victory in the area of our words. All right, here's the first of the nine sins of the tongue. It is very obvious. You'll know it immediately. It's a sin of lying. It's absolutely the sin of lying. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. I want you to listen to what he says. Now, all of us know what lying is. It's not telling the truth. It's what it is. I I, I think when you go before uh, uh, the judge and and you're going to take part in a trial, it's interesting what they used to say. I don't know what they say now, but it's said, you swear to tell the whole truth, the whole truth, And nothing but the truth, so help you God. Well, listen to what he says here in Proverbs 6.16. There are six things the Lord hates. Woo! 
Seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, a swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Twice out of the seven things God said he hated was a matter of lying. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, listen to what it says about how God feels about lying. Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, listen to the word of God. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and those, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Lying is an abomination to the Lord. You say, well, as far as I know, Brother Fred, I'm telling the truth. Me too. But God showed me there are three areas that you can lie and not really realize, well, it's just not a real lie. Oh, yes, it is. He said, let me tell you something. You can lie by exaggeration. When you exaggerate, it's beyond the truth. He said, you can lie by implication, by just implying what you say. So you can lie by exaggeration. You can lie by implication. You can lie by overestimation. There are many ways. And so the Bible says that we are not to lie. You say, well, it's not serious. Lying's really not that serious. Well, I'm just going to read your verse. Listen to me carefully now. Is God serious about lying? Proverbs 21, 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, Proverbs, I mean, this is uh, Revelation 21, 8 now. Revelation 21, 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God puts lying with some pretty serious things. All right, here's the second sin of the tongue. Now, why am I preaching on this? Because we do not want to live there. We do not want it to be in our life by the power of Jesus who cleanses us and who lives in us. We want the words to come out of our mouth to please God so that the Spirit of God will not be grieved and the Holy Spirit will not be quenched and we can live a spiritual life that brings glory to God. But I promise you, if we don't have victory in the area of our words, then we don't have victory. Now, the second one is the sin of gossip. It's the sin of gossip. Leviticus, of all books, think about this. Leviticus 19, verse 16 says, you shall not go about as a talebearer among the people. <laughs> it's pretty clear. You, you just don't gossip. You, you, you shall not go about as a talebearer among the people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. And then, of course, there are a number of verses in Proverbs. Proverbs eleven three. listen to these. These are scriptures that tell us not to gossip. Proverbs 11, verse 3, notice what it says. That's not the one. Hold on just a minute. All right. It's Proverbs eleven thirteen. 13. All right, are you ready? A talebearer, gossip, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who's of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Now that's pretty strong. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who's got a faithful spirit, he don't go around telling anything. He conceals a matter. Uh, chapter 18, verse 8 of the book of Proverbs is speaking against gossip. Notice what it says. Proverbs 18, 
verse 8. It says, The words of a talebearer are like wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. He said, you know, gossip is like you wound a person. It goes into the innermost parts of their body. So the Bible says, listen, don't lie. It grieves the Spirit of God. The Bible says, don't you gossip. Because a talebearer is like wounds that goes down to the innermost part of a person's spirit. You know, I heard of um, kind of a humorous story. These two friends had decided they were going to be open and honest with each other and share each other their faults and their sins. So one guy said to one, he said, well, I tell you, my sin is that, 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 that you know, sometimes I, I, I take things that I shouldn't think. I don't steal anything big, but every now and then I may just get a candy bar or something like that. He said, but that's just my sin. The other guy said, he looked at him and said, well, what's your sin? He said, I'm a gossip. I can't, t- I can't tell, keep a secret. I heard a sobering story one time. This shows you about the danger and the sinfulness of gossip. There was a lady who spread a bunch of lies about another lady, and they were lies. Some of it was even the truth, but it didn't matter. She had no business, but she, she made it her point to speak all the things about this person and basically to speak death on her through her words. And it absolutely wrecked this lady's life. Some of it was true, some of it wasn't true. But the truth was, this lady made it her point to let everybody know about it. Well, finally, this lady who was the gossip got under conviction, went to the lady and said, Listen, I have caused you great harm. I have sinned against God and against you, and I ask you to forgive me. The lady said, Okay, I love God and I love Jesus, and you're forgiven. About a week later, she picked up the phone and called the lady who had destroyed her life through gossip. She said, I've forgiven you, but would you meet me down on the corner uh, of so-and-so and so-and-so? I just want to mention one thing to you. And so this lady comes down, and who was the gossip, and meets the lady on the corner. And, and this lady's there, and in her hand, she has a feather pillow, a feather pillow. And so what she does is she takes the scissors, and she cuts off the end of that feather pillow. And she reaches in there and picks out all the feathers and just throws them in the air. And the wind blows them in every direction. And the lady said, you know, I have forgiven you for everything you said. But you know, all those things you said are like those feathers that are gone. There's no way you can ever gather them up. And there's no way you can ever bring them back. But we need to be careful. Because God says... That life and death are in the power of the tongue. So there is the sin of lying. And there is the sin of gossip. Now listen to this. This is a very, very strong word. It is the sin of reviling. Reviling. And the word reviling is another word for abusive speech. It is another word for abusive speech. It says about Jesus... Over in 1 Peter chapter 2, down around verse 23, the Bible says there was no deceit in his mouth, there was no deceit in Jesus' mouth, and that when he was reviled, abused, verbally, and when he was reviled, he did not revile again. Now listen, we hear a lot today about physical abuse. It is hideous and it is ungodly. For a man to abuse a woman is unquestionable and unexcusable 
or for a woman to abuse a man. It doesn't matter whether it's, if it's physical abuse. But let me tell you something. Verbal abuse is worse than physical abuse. You can destroy a person with your words. You can destroy a son or daughter with words that are not godly and Christ-like and they do not encourage them and build them up. You certainly can destroy your relationship with your wife with verbally abusive words or with your husband. You've got to understand, well, you know, I just lost it. I just lost it. Well, I want to tell you something. You not only lost it, but you exploded and you've got a, a, a big mess on your hands. Reviling. God says that we are not to revile. Life and death are in the power of the... Have you been speaking death to your wife or to your children? I, or have you been speaking life to them to encourage them, to bless them, and to build them up and to let them know how precious they are to God and they are to you? Man, there's life in the power of the tongue. Boy, you know, this, this breaks my heart. Because I've dealt with this over the years. A verbal abuse with people that would come to me it says of the tongue, the tongue is an unruly evil, and it's full of deadly poison. I wonder, have you been speaking poison to those that you love, to those that you, your family, your, your wife, your children, your friends, even people around you that you, I mean, I want to ask you something. Have you been reviling them? Is your speech full of deadly poison? I remember back in the Iraq war, when they were concerned about Saddam Hussein and the chemical weapons that had killed thousands and thousands of the Kurds. And when our soldiers went to Iraq, they said, well, everybody's got to have a gas mask. Everybody's got to have a gas mask because they've got poison gas. Never really happened. But I want to ask you a question. Do the people in your house need a gas mask? Do your wife and children need a gas mask because there's deadly poison? The people around you need a gas mask because there's deadly poison. Lying, gossip, reviling. Here's the next one. And this is going to shock you. You know what it is? The Bible says we're not to, not only, not only to lie and to gossip and to revile, but we're not to be hasty in our words. Huh? We're to think before we speak. Isn't that amazing? It says, I want you to think. You know, the Bible says that there are seven natural op openings to our, 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 our head. Seven natural openings to our head. We got two eyes, amen, two ears, two nostrils, and one mouth. Thank God we've got one mouth. But you know the Bible warns us about being hasty in our words. Not to be hasty. Over in um, James 1.19, you know what he says? I'm just giving you the Bible now. Just a warning. I don't want us to grieve and quench the Spirit. I want us to walk in the Spirit. And the easiest way to do it is if we don't allow God to control our heart and control our tongue. You know what James says? Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Wow. Swift to hear, but slow to speak. The Bible speaks about being hasty in the words. Now, listen to what... Solomon said, it doesn't matter, Brother Fred, if I answer quickly. I just answer off the top of my head. That's just it. You're answering off the top of your head. That's your problem. You know what it says in Proverbs 29, 10? If a man is, face, if a man is hasty in his words, it says there's more hope for a fool than a man that is hasty in his words. I said, man, I had no idea 
that, that God said, listen, you think before you speak. You put your mind in gear before you say anything. It says, there's more hope for a fool than a man who is hasty in his words. So lying, gossip, reviling, hasty words, murmuring and complaining. I'm not even going to go into great detail on that. But Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without murmuring and complaining. 2.14, all things without murmuring and complaining. And the reason that's so bad, it says that God's not in control and that you're not thankful. Then there's the next one. It's, it's a matter of lying or gossip or reviling or hasty words or mummering. But now, did you know the Bible says that we're not to talk too much? <laughs> now, it says that. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Boy, I mean, uh, I, I got to saying, Lord, you, you're pretty tough on this. Proverbs ten nineteen. I want you to listen to what it says, that we're not to talk too much. It says in Proverbs 10, verse 19, in the multitude in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. The more you talk, the greater chance you are that you're going to sin. <laughs> in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Boy, I think of all the times, Lord, that I should, should have kept my mouth shut. You know, I am telling you, there's nothing wrong with being quiet. God, help us. In Proverbs 21, 23, it says, don't be hasty. Don't, don't, don't talk too much. It just plainly tells us not to do it. Proverbs 21, verse uh, 23. Boy, I like this. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Let me say that one again. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue, man, he just doesn't talk too much. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You know it's exactly right. I want to tell you all something. There are a lot of things I'd rather preach than this. But I know one thing, my biggest battle. I don't want the Holy Spirit to be grieved in my life. Because I don't have any power when he is. And under God, I don't want the Holy Spirit to be quenched in my life. Because I can't be led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Walk. And I'm telling you, the battle, the battle is when we just allow from our heart things to come out of our mouth that do not honor. And they're not, they don't speak life. They don't edify. They don't build up those that hear them. There are a couple of others. You know the Bible says that flattery, is, we're not to flatter, that it's a sin. Now, you know what? I said, all right, Lord, what's the difference between flattery and encouragement? We all need encouragement. The Bible says encourage each other every day and so much more as the uh, coming of Christ approaches. We all need to encourage our wives and children. We need to encourage our husbands. We need to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to speak encouraging words to those that we work around. Hey, encouragement is a great blessing from God. It's one of the mastery of the tongue. We speak words of encouragement. But you know what flattery is? It's the words that you speak that you're not sincere. You don't mean it. You're just not sincere. You're just throwing words out, just flattering people, and you're not sincere in it. I mean, you really aren't. You know, you know where the Bible speaks against flattery? In Psalm chapter 12. I want you to listen to what it says. Psalm 12, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. The faithful disappear from the children of men. Verse 2 of Psalm 12. They speak idly. 
everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own who is Lord over us. Man, I, I, I love to encourage people and I need encouragement. But you know what flattery is? It's with the double heart. You're just not sincere. You're just throwing out words. And you know you don't mean it. I mean, why in the world do we do it when it's, it's not genuine? And so the Bible says that you don't need to flatter. And then there are only two more. And everybody said, thank God. There are only two more. <laughs> the next one is filthy words. No lying, no gossip, no reviling, no hasty words, no murmuring and complaining. Don't run your mouth too much. Don't talk too much. Don't flatter people. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Encourage them, but let it be genuine. But then he said, don't let any filthy. You know, you know that word in Ephesians 4. Let no, corrupt commun- let no corrupt word come out of your mouth. I've told you all this before. The Greek word there is don't let any rotten fruit come out of your mouth. Don't let any rotten fruit come out of your mouth. In other words, filthy words. I told you the story about one of my granddaughters. I'd, she was about eight, and I just got on her, and she was saying some words that, you know, wasn't cuss words, you know. Thank God. She was just saying some stuff that they just weren't good words. I said, now let me tell you something what the Bible says. The Bible says don't let any rotten fruit come out of your mouth, and that is rotten fruit. Now you stop it. I didn't say it that firmly with your grandkids. You know how that goes. Well, about three weeks later, boy, we were somewhere, and something upset me, and I said a slang word, and she walked right over to me, and she said, rotten fruit, rotten fruit. I said, you, have, you are meddling, my friend. You also, you, you're talking to the wrong person. Exactly what. And God said, that's right. He said, don't let any corrupt words come out of your mouth. You know, we've come a long way in this country. There used to be some dignity about what people said publicly. What was said on the radio. What was said on television. What was said in movies. You know, People used to, used to frown at, be upset by, and just appalled at some of the filthy words that came out of my, our mouth. But you know, we've come a long way the wrong way. Can you believe the filthy words that come out of the mouths of people on public broadcast and through movies? Can you imagine? Can you believe that we've gotten to the place... I'll tell you how far we've moved. You've heard me tell you this before. But I want to show you. In 1939, when Gone with the Wind was a famous movie, it was banned in some cities because the last sentence in the movie was, uh, Clark Gable said, frankly, Scarlett, I don't give up. And they banned it in some cities because of that one profane word. That was movie theaters. Listen now. I am telling you the words that come over public broadcasting and in every area, I am telling you the words that are in movies today are an abomination to a holy God. It's filthy. And a generation has been raised with this kind of filth constantly coming at them. God have mercy on us. It's called let no filthy, no rotten fruit come out of your mouth. But that which edifies and ministers grace 
to the hearers. Romans 3.14 says, their mouth is full of cursing. Romans 3, of cursing and bitterness. Well, there's one last thing. And I've been repenting the whole time I've been preaching. I'm serious with you because I, I battle. Some of these things I don't battle, but some of them I do. I'm just being honest with you. But I'm not going to live with them, and I've asked God to give me grace. And, and praise God, I'm, we're going to overcome instead of being overcome. You know, the Bible says don't speak idle words. Now, I want to tell you what an idle word is. Any word that you're not willing to stand behind. Jesus said they will give an account of every idle word. Now, every word that God has spoken, every word that God has spoken, God stands behind. An idle word is when you speak an idle word that you are not willing to stand behind that word. So if you're not willing to stand behind it, it's idle. I love to have fun. I love to tell jokes, clean jokes. I love to laugh. I love to kid people. I love stuff like that. And we all know what that is. But an idle word is something you just say, and it may not necessarily be evil in it, but you just don't stand behind it. It's just idle. It has no meaning. It has no substance. It has no depth. It's just an idle word. For example, how many angels can be on the uh, uh, pin of a needle? I mean, come on, the pin of a head of a pin. How many? That's idle words, folks. I mean, what's that all about? And I, that may not be a good illustration. I, I mean, but I just came to my mind. But listen, can I say something to you? If you've got a problem with your words, you've got a problem with your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I choose to repent of any lying by implication, exaggeration, or estimation. I choose to repent of any gossip. I choose to repent of any reviling word. I choose to repent of any... Uh, being hasty, hasty in my words. I choose to repent of murmuring and complaining. I repent of talking too much. I repent of flattery. I repent of filthy words or idle words. Now, folks, the whole purpose of this message is to help you and me to understand that what we say is important and how we say it is important. And that life and death are in the power of our tongue. And we're to ask God to keep our hearts so clean and so pure by the blood of Jesus. That our hearts are so pure and so clean. That when anything starts to come out of our mouth that is any one of these nine things, we won't do it. We'll catch ourselves. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I mean, you find yourself, when you're sensitive to what you say, Lord, cleanse my heart. Give me a clean heart and a pure heart. And Jesus, take control of my heart. For out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, to cleanse my heart and take control of my heart. And then make me sensitive to any word that comes out of my mouth. And God will. And you'll live with an ungrieved Holy Spirit. You'll live with an unquenched Holy Spirit. And you'll find that your spiritual life just grows and matures because the spirit is not grieved and not quenched by the words that we speak.